Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 625 with a review of Mulan. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, Stephen, this is going to be by far our least listened to episode. I know that because when films are really, really popular, you can see the numbers go up. And I think that having to pay $30 to see that, like basically our listeners, the few, the few of them who have actually filled out the survey um, that's in the show notes for every single episode, most of them state they only listen when they've seen the movie. And I feel like given that most of our listeners are only watching when they see the movie, I think most people are not going to shell out $30 to see this film. Right. What do you think? I don't know. Um, I I only know like self-selecting groups of people. Like I've I've had Facebook friends that were writing about Mulan saying like, hey, I saw this. So I know someone out there has watched this movie. But yeah, Yeah. it's got to be less likely than most. But then again, like we reviewed like movies from Tribeca. So I mean, (laughs) this is not going (laughs) to fall fall that low. Like somebody is watching Mulan. I don't know how many families shelled out money to watch this movie or more to the point of probably our target demo, how many like single 35 year olds <laughs> <laughs> did what we did and shelled out $30 to watch Mulan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the sad thing is they won't, if they're not going to listen unless they watched it, then they won't be able to get to the point in which we will tell them whether or not it was worth $30 to watch it. So it's kind of like, right. it's this, you know, snake eating its tail thing. So it's, it's See, like, we, sh- yeah. we should have put this behind a Patreon wall. Cause we know they're suckers already. <laughs> Be like, hey, listen, guys, you already paid $30 to watch Mulan. Why not pay like $15 to listen to us review Mulan? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm well, glad we didn't put this behind a paywall because, spoilers, I will not have very much to say about Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, um, I think uh, before we get into that, you know, so if we can pad the runtime of this episode to make it worth oh, the $30, yeah. um, let me ask you this, Stephen. Um, I know that you saw the live-action Lion King. Um, I didn't see that one. I think you saw it on a plane, right? Is that correct? Uh, on a cruise, in fact. On a cruise. I, I saw it on a roughly 64-bit screen <laughs> on, on a cruise. <laughs> nice. Well, we, we, we have reviewed some of the live-action remakes, so like Aladdin. Um, but like, how have you felt thus far about Disney's live-action remakes? Um, if we can call all of them that, even though some of them are not um how have you felt about them and what were you thinking going into mulan i mean i'm trying to think of what all count as them let's see we've had the jungle book we had beauty and the beast dumbo aladdin the lion king i I guess we can count alice in wonderland but that was like a different era of live remake um i think those are all the ones that i've seen that were the live remakes um because i haven't I never saw uh, Cinderella, which I, th- I think was maybe the first of its kind. I think they're pointless. I think there's no reason for them to exist. <laughs> like, we kind of liked The Jungle Book, I think, when it came out. Um, I don't think we love. We definitely like weren't fans of it, but I feel like we weren't like ragging on it completely either. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I, I feel d- like we were generous-ish to it. I-, I definitely liked some of the stuff, like the King Louis stuff mm-hmm. like there were the uh the jungle book was at least visually very interesting in certain sections of the film um 
I I yeah. didn't put myself seeing uh, the Lion King, so I don't know um, how those two compared. But I guess you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, what What's funny is when I think of the Jungle Book, King Louis is the whole movie. That is the only thing about that whole movie that yeah. has stuck <laughs> is is giant orangutan like tearing down a temple. Yeah. I, um, ironic. Uh, ironically, King Louis is the bare necessity for that film. Mm, true. True. <laughs> I. So it is canon that I was decently okay about Aladdin. Um, again, that was a plane movie, so it got the plane bump, and I liked Will Smith in in that movie, and I thought like the music <laughs> was fun. Um, the bar was low, right? But but I was there. The Lion King I thought was complete trash. I did, I do not understand why why that movie is what it is. And the thing they did, which is what Cats also did, is they like the one ace in the hole that Lion King had is a songbook that everyone loves. Like you just have to do the song the way it was written and people are going to be happy. And they fucked up like almost every song in that movie. It, it's really weird. It, it is really weird what Disney is doing with their, um, with their catalog in terms of what they think is important to maintain and what they think is okay to let slip. Like they yeah. think it is important to maintain photorealism of animals <laughs> <laughs> and they are fine letting slip the like award-winning songs that like became the soundtrack to everyone's childhood. So I don't know. And and that is true of Mulan as well. Uh, I mean, we already know Mulan does not have these songs. I think they revealed that hey, before hey, the, the credit, movie came out. The credits has one of the songs. <laughs> sure, yeah. Christina Aguilera. <laughs> that was the most throwback thing about that movie is getting the like... It, it was like in the 90s, like in Beauty and the Beast, the original, when in the credits you get this kind of like contemporary adult singing version of the cartoon music. Um, that was that was nice. But anyway, <laughs> we're not talking about Mulan yet. I think they're useless. I'm not going to say they're all trash. They just don't. They're throwing money at these things. And I feel like the money is not on screen. And it, it, it seems very odd to me that they keep doing it. Yeah. And, and it is kind of funny because... There are obviously some properties uh, where somebody has bought the rights to something um, like, you know, say X-Men or Spider-Man, where no matter what, no matter how good or bad a film is, you have to keep making more of the films so that you can maintain the rights. Otherwise, the rights default right. back to the current owners. I don't, th I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Disney holds the rights to every single property in existence now. So they're not making these simply to maintain rights for them. They're literally just being like, uh, hey guys, uh, what, do you, what do you think we could do to like charge some people more money for some shit we already have? <laughs> I love the idea that like Dumbo was about to go into the public domain and they're just like, fuck, call, call, call Burton. <laughs> Oh man! I, I mean, did they not scoop it out of the public domain? Like, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true, actually. Oh uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it is a weird situation, and you know, for the most part, there are certain things that I think, if you're going to do a remake, I think there are interesting things to do, and I think that you can get me excited for one. Like, honestly, I mean, we speaking of Burton, we know how it turned out, but. When I saw the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I forget which one's named which, um, I just that, that, that scene of them on the little boat, um, when I saw that, I was like, 
I want to see the Tim Burton version of this. Like, I just, I, I thought it. And then when they announced the Tim Burton version, I was like, this is going to be brilliant. This is perfect. This is what I've always wanted. And then saw it and it wasn't very good. But I mean, I, I, I can see somebody wanting to do a take on something. Like, what if that film was way more creepier than it actually ended up being? Um, yeah. And then you're like, yeah, I could totally see that happening. Let me see what you can do. But I think when you're trying to make like a, uh, a relatively shot-to-shot remake of something, there's you're not bringing something to the table, and you're not trying to um, you're not trying to do something interesting enough to justify having something remade. Like you know, classic sci-fi things. I at least understand the idea of saying like, hey, when this was made, we literally did not have the technology to do anything but have like a milk carton spray painted uh, gray and shoot a fog machine at it and then call it a spaceship in space, right? I I get that now we have the technology that allows you to do something that is more special visually. And I at least give you credit for trying to do that. I don't know if Mulan (laughs) benefits from modern technology in any way whatsoever. So... Do you know the cat? I was looking at what are the upcoming Disney live action remakes and the big one coming our way. The only one that I know will get done because I think production already finished before COVID um, is the little mermaid. Who do you think is playing Ursula? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Josh Gad. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good answer. Uh, it's Melissa McCarthy. Verily okay. the female Josh Gad. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> I, was, I was close. I can, I can definitely see that. Yeah. It should be fun. <laughs> and Javier Bardem is playing King Triton. Oh, man, this movie is going to slay. See, they always get me excited about the next one. They always find a way to keep me hooked. It is kind of funny. They announce it and nobody says anything positive. And then they announce the cast and everybody goes like, hmm, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. And then they fail to release the movie, hold it for six months and then charge you $30 for it. And, yeah. uh, yeah. Like I remember being kind of excited to watch lady and the tramp. And then that wound up being a, like skip the theaters, Disney plus only <laughs> release. And I never even watched it. I didn't even know they did a lady in the tramp. They did. Yeah. Um, they did. And it was, it was written by Andrew Bujalski, Who's like this mumblecore guy that did like computer chess and, a bunch of he's like a part of the Swamberg scene back in the day and it was like interesting are, are you gonna do like a lady and tramp like before sunrise type of movie how do you do all that improvisation when you're doing it all in cg <laughs> yeah they, they just make the fake camera look shaky all the time <laughs> oh well good time steven uh I think, I think we're, we're delaying the inevitable enough. Um, we've been yep. talking long enough without getting to the heart of what this episode, what people have paid $30 to tune in for. Um, so what do you mm-hmm. say, Stephen? We take a listen to the trailer for Milan, and then we come back and give everybody a review. Let's do it. Close the gates! Six of our northern cities have fallen in a coordinated attack. Their leader fights alongside a witch. Crush these murderers. Your Majesty. Every family must contribute one man to fight. 
You're a war hero. You've already made many great sacrifices. My father cannot fight. So I will take his place. The northern invaders will kill her. If I expose her, our own people will kill her. When we take the Imperial City, I will take revenge for my father. What is your name, soldier? Hua Jun, Commander. Son of Hua Zhou. You will now take the oath of the warrior. Loyal. Pretending to be something you're not. Yet here I stand. Proof that there is a place for people like us. A girl threatens all plans. A warrior. All right, so that was the trailer for Disney's live-action remake of Mulan. Um, it is the story of a uh, a young woman um, named Mulan, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and basically she, you know, she's trained. She's become super proficient. She's super awesome, badass. Uh, just trying to have fun, but the world wants something different from her. Um, a bad guy uh, comes in and is planning on attacking the Imperial City, and they basically put out a call to conscript uh, one man from every family to come fight in this war. Uh, Mulan's father is older now. He's, I guess, injured from the previous war that he was conscripted into, and uh, she decides to sneak off and take his place in the army, and has to learn to understand who she is inside and let the inside match the outside. And Stephen Miller, what did you think of Mulan? Um, I thought Mulan was not very good. Um, <laughs> it, it was surprising because I, I think you and I were both decently excited by the trailer like it kind of seemed like it was going to be at least disney trying to do a big action epic like like it, it seemed ambitious maybe i'm just projecting on you but i was excited from the trailer i thought like this had a chance to be really good and i, I, I would say i was slightly optimistic um right but yeah yeah because this the thing it doesn't do anything terribly it, it is just like middle of the road the whole way through in a way that feels kind of unacceptable to me, given the material that they're working with and the budget they clearly had and the cast who seems game to do just about anything. Um, they, uh, there are a bunch of decisions that I find very strange about this movie. Like one, the action, it is clear that there is like cool stunt work being done, but the choreography and editing is like bizarrely muddy. Like you cannot make out any of the cool things that are happening in this movie. Um, not only in ways that seem like they're obscuring like a failed stunt, like things like 
people are hitting each other and it cuts away and just gives like a hitting sound. And I don't know if it is only the need to be like a a bloodless Disney movie that made them have to do that, but it it is very, very strange for a movie that feels like Crouching Tiger. Like it feels like it's like a, a wuxia type, like let's embrace martial arts and they can't for the life of them film a scene of fighting martial arts. It It is really, really strange, that combo. Especially when you have like Jet Li, Donnie Yen, like you you have people who you could get a lot of mileage out of this if you just were like, hey, if nothing else, this is going to be a Jet Li movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they don't do that. It, it, it is it's shot and edited in a way that is very strange that doesn't really let you luxuriate in any of the fight scenes. Um, I thought like visually it looked great. Like, you know, it, it looks cool. It is clear that. Some of this was shot in the real world somewhere. I don't know how much of it, but like it it definitely looked it it gave a good look that felt like it matched the cartoon well enough. But the I don't know, all the touches they did to try to make it interesting or like visually exciting just didn't work for me at all. And then the story, I feel like they took what was simple if problematic, you know, the Disney version, like probably left a little to be desired. It's a little bit like girl in a man's world and not even problematic, you know, just like, I get why they wanted to refresh it for 2020. I feel like they made it worse in almost every way with the changes that they tried to make. And I don't know why. Um, there was a lot of talk on the internet about how they've made the new Medichlorian, like they've turned Chi into this thing that is just this like magic property that Mulan has, that no one else has, that she has had since a young age, that is just not a part of the story in a... It, like it didn't need to be there. It doesn't help anything. Can, can, can I um, tell you what makes me the most mad about this chi thing? <laughs> yeah. So the whole reason why she to her family is not not a the, the reason why she's call it, causing so much of a hullabaloo back home is because she does have this great chi, and the chi causes her to want to be you know, more adventurous and do all these crazy things like chase a chicken across a roof and things like that. Right. And chicken. yeah. <laughs> and, and when she's back home, the problem is like, Hey, your chi is amazing, but just chi it down a little bit because you got, you got to be ladylike, right? Yeah. She lacks. <laughs> when she gets to the army, she's still hiding her chi. She's supposed to be a chi monster now. Like, she's in the army. She could do whatever the fuck she wants. Like, why is she still trying to hide her chi? Because all that's going to do is make everybody like, yeah, this soldier who is the son of a great other soldier has great chi. How awesome is that? Like, it, it's, it's crazy yeah, to is, me. I was, I was like audibly angry when she was clearly hiding it and afraid she was going to be reprimanded. Like, you, you know who they think you are <laughs> like why are you trying to hide this yeah but maybe men have a different thing maybe they have a he <laughs> uh steven anyways continue anyway. yeah so that that change is strange the only change that i can stand by is i think conceptually i like the addition of this kind of female witch that they have on the opposing side um, I, like, like, I feel like at least in the writer's room or whatever, that was a smart way to have some kind of counterbalance and push the like girl power narrative a little further. But then that character also doesn't like, you don't understand what she wants or why she does what she does. Um, 
the whole movie is undergirded by a strange desire to be Game of Thrones while also like not <laughs> giving you any of what Game of Thrones gives you. Like it, the the attacks, like the fight scenes, the storming of the barricades and stuff, it felt like a Game of Thrones battle, complete with like people on horseback and the camera like moving very quickly, like dropping frames and stuff. And it felt like it was going to be this like grisly battle and the witch is coming and she's going to wreak havoc on them. And then it has to be bloodless. So you just get this weird thing of like play pretend of a big battle scene and then not be able to give the goods on the battle scene. I don't know. I, I don't know who this movie is for. That That's kind of where it left me in the end. It's like, I don't think you made this for kids because you didn't make a plot that I feel like a kid would be able to follow at all. Like I, if I were a kid, I would have so much trouble understanding like what is happening to Mulan right now. What is she afraid of? There's something where a cartoon is able to like lead you by the hand and be like, this is what's happening. Here's the visual to, you know, be aware of where on Mulan's journey she is. And this movie just felt like it flattened all of that. Like, I I don't feel like if I were a kid, I would have had a clue what was going on. And as an adult, it didn't really give me a reason to care because the character Mulan, even though she's an adult, her decision making is like a little kid, right? Like Like many kids movies, like she wants to hide her chi long after it makes any sense that she would want to do that. She, like, turns on a dime. You know, there's a scene involving the witch where she is doing one thing and then all of a sudden she's doing another thing and it feels like a grand character moment, but it doesn't make sense. Like, none of her... Nothing makes sense in this movie. And the the scenes that are supposed to be big and grandiose, like the avalanche scene, you know, in the cartoon, so I can spoil that that exists here as well. They feel like they should be big, cool set pieces and they just fumble them. So I, I don't know. I feel like they just fumbled a lot. And it, the movie looked good enough and I didn't hate it. I just feel like they made it strictly worse than the cartoon for no good reason. And that frustrates me. <laughs> yeah, well, so I disagree with you, Stephen, in that... This film infuriated me because I think this film is mm. god awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I would love to be able to say it was fine the way I said Aladdin was fine, um, but I think this film is incredibly incredibly bad. I think this is uh, part of it might be like the hundred degree heat here in San Francisco uh, while I'm trying to watch it, uh, but I found it um, just just awful. I, I don't know what more to say besides that, um, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, so we, we've, we've already talked about the chi um, being sort of obnoxious, and um, I, I've already said my piece about that, so I'll just restate it again as it being a thing that annoyed me and move on. Um, I think that one of the things that this film fails at the most, and maybe to this film's attempted credit, it is, it's trying to do the twist on the, their narrative, and that's why they came up with this, but it doesn't work out very well. In the original film, it is a, a woman masquerading as a man, trying to fit in, and her biggest fear is, or her, 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 her biggest uh, thing she is trying to deal with is not getting caught. This film tries to flip that on, that, on its head and try to tell a story where the main fear is not her has her not being able to let out who she is inside um and that that seems like a weird flipping of the original script in a way that to me didn't really benefit me in any way and i think it, it's 
you know, you, you, you talked about there's a scene where a wit, uh, with the witch where things like literally flip on its head. Um, and the way that went down was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in a film in my entire life. Yeah. Like the, the thing that they, I assume they want you to believe is happening in that scene halfway through this film. You're like, well, obviously this is just stupid. And like the decision that happens after that, um, if I'm like, I didn't go back and try to watch the original Mulan before this, but in my head, the revelation of the fact that she is a woman relates to the avalanche and her trying to rescue somebody. I could have that wrong in my head, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. Um, if you happen to remember. Right. I think in her attempt to rescue someone, she inadvertently reveals that she's yeah. a woman. This film does the reveal before the avalanche, which by the way, has no fucking business being in this film. <laughs> the, 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 she's also, she's apologizing later for losing her father's armor. And we've literally watched her throw it off. Yeah. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. So that was, that was annoying too. But, but like the, when you're remaking a film, you can bring in themes from the original film and the people watching it who saw the original will get that. You don't have to have an avalanche just because there's an avalanche in the other one. And the worst part about the avalanche scene is it's like it has nothing to do with anything. It's like a bunch of people in a field which is not frozen. <laughs> and they're coming up against a hill that happens to be covered in snow and yeah, ice. Joanne and I were debating if they were going to do an avalanche. And I was like, they're going to there's kind of a little bit of snow on a mountain back there. They're going to find a way to make it work. And she was like, no, no, they're not. And sure enough, they tried. They're, they're, they're literally in an open plane, which, by the way, one of the best things in this film from like a military strategy involves what the witch does in that scene right before the avalanche happens. Just doing what they do to try to make enemies group together. Brilliant battle strategy that only works if you have a fucking witch. So kudos. That was actually kind of a cool thing. But the way Mulan deals with that, like, I don't know about you, but I literally said out loud, how the fuck did she get there? Like, because she gets on a horse and rides right towards the enemy and, spoilers, ends up behind them. <laughs> and there, there was no path. She was in an open field where everybody could see her on the horse and she magically appears behind them on the hill. Ridiculous. I, 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 I just couldn't take it. Um, now, I just want to go... I, I have heard some people compliment the action in this film. And I think you kind of put, hit the nail on the head by saying that, like, sure, there could be good action, but the way it's choreographed and the way it's shot is just terrible. I think there are, there are, there's this repeated camera motion, which is never once cool, <laughs> which is it starts the first time you see it is when the bad guys are running up the wall. And because the bad guys are perpendicular to the way the camera yeah. is facing, as soon as they land on top, the camera then rotates 90 degrees which makes them falling to the top of the castle, which doesn't actually make sense. And repeatedly, the filmmaker decides like, oh man, that twist I did with the camera is pretty rad over there. And it, it always, it's, it's worse than style over substance. It is nothing and it's ugly and I hated it. And every time they did it, I was like, I get it. You think that's cool, but it's not. There are, there are some camera moves you can do which feel inventive and clever. There's still, I never saw Quantum of Solace um, because everybody mm -hmm. warned me about not seeing it. Um, but in the trailer, there is a shot where like uh, Bond is fighting somebody and dives through like a glass dome on top of a building and the camera goes over that ledge and follows them down through the, like through the glass and they bounce around some scaffolds or something. That, that's cool. That is you 
feeling like the gravity, like the literal gravity of that fall as a camera motion. This twist shit is just like, I, I get it. You think it's cool that they ran up a wall. So why don't we rotate them to be running up a flat thing? <laughs> like it just shit, shit didn't make any sense at all. Now I want to talk about just geography in general in this film. Her entire Where village. Where the fuck is China? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Her, so Mulan's entire village is this one building that's like a little round. It's like a, a round building that all the, all the houses face inward into this one courtyard. And they live. It's, it's right. basically a round castle, right? Um, yep. So that's cool and that's fine. But when she, when she initially leaves to go join the army, she is just lost, gone forever. It's the longest journey she's ever been on. She's about to die until the phoenix, which I haven't even got to yet, comes flying above her and guides her to the, the ridge that she was about to walk towards anyways. Uh, and it takes her forever, and she almost like dies of thirst, and it's a horrible journey. But later on, when she's like, oh my god, they're going to attack the Imperial City, she just rides straight there in like... like as the sun is setting and then she's there and she found her way. Like what is going on in this film? It, it just, it seems like the actual world has no geography to it. There's a huge journey to get to this place. And then you can just go here. You can just go here. And it, like, I never felt like I understood how this world exists. Like even you mentioned game of Flo Thrones, even a map flyover <laughs> would have given me like something where I'm like, okay, I get it. The base is here. Yeah. Her home is here. And the Imperial city is well, here. I think like game of Thrones though, they don't want you to know how far away things are because it won't make any sense when they decide a character needs to race somewhere really quickly. <laughs> to be fair, they were trying to pack a lot into that last season. I forgive mm -hmm. all of the time dilation that happens in that. Just pretend like it's a Chris Nolan movie. <laughs> okay. Namely Memento. Cause I don't remember it. <laughs> Um, next I want to talk about this when you first see this CG Imperial City it's this massive construction with giant stairs that like a million people could stand on and not take up the whole stairs and right. it's this monumental it, it's like it's the forbidden city in Beijing basically it's like the huge like yeah old school courtyard yeah the entire Imperial Army is 15 people <laughs> Like, there, there's literally a scene where a character, I'll call them, says, hey, get every guard, every guard from the city and tell them to come to this courtyard. They don't even take up one rung on the stairs. Like, it, <laughs> I know stairs, step of the stairs, ladders have rungs. Uh, yeah. But it's like, how are you going to, like, spend all this work making a giant CG city and make me think, like, there's got to be, like, 7 billion people that live in that city, right? No, there's 25 guys who can't do fuck all to stop this, like, group of people coming in. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it feels like this was shot during COVID, and they're like, hey, guys, we're, like, we can only have 25 people, period. Um, got to make this work. <laughs> like, <laughs> did, did you not think, where are all the soldiers? I, I didn't care at that point. I was already like beyond caring what was going to happen in the movie. <laughs> Anyways, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know where to go on from this. I just, I, oh okay. yeah, here you go. I think the dialogue in this film is the worst part about it. It feels like every line of dialogue was recorded separately and then edited together in post. There is, there's literally a scene where somebody goes like, 
I did this. And somebody else goes, what is the punishment for that? And then somebody else goes, death. And then somebody goes, then kill me. <laughs> and it just feels like yeah. I, I, nothing, no line of dialogue has weight or impact to it because it is all so stilted and delivered with huge pauses between the different lines of dialogue. Um, and it just, it, it was like, there, there's a scene where Mulan is sitting, sitting with a group of people and, and she's like, this fight will be okay, guys, because I'll protect all of you and all of you will protect me. The very next scene, A, she's not even in, in a group with those guys. She's with a completely other group of people on horseback and every single one of those people dies. <laughs> yep. They're, I mean, they're all, you know, they're all red shirts. They're, they're not characters with names or anything, but like, yeah, we don't care about them. The last thing you said out loud to anybody was I will protect you and you will protect me. And within one scene, all of the people in your regiment are dead. Uh, and I just feel like, why do you do all these things? Like you're saying things that you think a soldier in a situation would say, but there's no context for it. And the last thing that I will say is they seem to be, it's just the performance of the actor, but the, 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 the main guy that she talks with a lot in the army, there's clearly yeah. some sort of, there, there's, there's clearly some sort of attraction that he has to him, right? Um, yeah. the, the way he responds to uh, Mulan's everything that, that she does, um, he he clearly has some sort of attraction to it. And it seems like, oh, are they actually trying to do something interesting here about like having this budding romance? And then what are they going to do when he eventually finds out that she's a woman? And oh, the answer is they're not going to do anything. <laughs> but it's like, why would you... Like maybe in real life, he was just really attracted to her and he couldn't not act that way. Um, and the director didn't catch it or something. But I feel like in every scene, he had like this... Like, no, I think it's intentional. I think they're trying to tee up a sequel that who knows if it'll happen or not now. Because na this is where I can school you about Mulan 2, the direct-to-video sequel of Mulan, which <laughs> I did watch <laughs> um, somewhat recently. <laughs> you watched too long? Yeah. <laughs> um, the Mulan 2, they decided, forget all that fighting nonsense. What the people want to see is love love and relationships so in mulan 2 then mulan gets engaged to in the in mulan the animated version then it's like the general who she is like clearly has kind of a thing with uh it isn't a friend like it is here but still the the dynamic is very similar like huang hong hui here plays the same role as general i don't i don't remember his name <laughs> uh, I don't remember his name in the actual Mulan movie. General Shang. General Shang. Um, so anyway, he proposes to Mulan. And then she has like three friends who were in the army in the first one. And they all also get match made. And it's like a weird thing of like all of them like falling in love or deciding whether they're going to get married or not and M Mushu is in the movie but it, Eddie Murphy wouldn't come back so it's this <laughs> white guy who only does Eddie Murphy direct video sequels <laughs> it's pretty amazing I found that like the, this guy's whole list of credits are like 
like the Shrek Four video game, <laughs> stuff like that. And and is he doing but an anyway. Eddie Murphy impersonation? Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Have you checked it his IMDb okay. page lately? <laughs> I'll I'll give it a give it a whirl. Anyway, all that to say, Mulan Two decided it was going to be all about love and romance, and Mulan One set up the romance, like it teed up the romance with the general. Um, this movie, I feel like they want to hint at it, and then they thought it would be stronger if they don't underline it in the movie. Like if they, like maybe they were afraid that their girl power message would be undercut if they made like a romantic lead be the conclusion to it. But it is, it's a weird dynamic. But I definitely think they want you to believe he is attracted to her and she feels attraction to him, and that they're going to get together. I think, I think that is definitely intended in this movie. But they don't deal with the fact that he's attracted to him before he finds out she's a her. <laughs> right? Like, it's clearly nope. he's into the, the dude. Yeah, but I think he's confused. I think the same thing is true in the animated Mulan, where there is some chemistry there before he realizes, because gender's a construct. <laughs> like, like that, that is what Disney knew in the 90s. <laughs> I just feel like in the original, it was more like captain america bucky sort of chemistry as opposed to it's like it's like it's there but it's not like overtly like yeah i don't know chris let me read you the the film i found mark mosley is the white guy who did the voice of mushu in the mulan sequel i uh, here are the titles of films that he has been in shrek in the swamp karaoke dance party <laughs> shrek 2 Mulan 2, Dr. Doolittle 3. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, it's like his actual job is to like just do the shit that Eddie Murphy doesn't want to do anymore. He's like, he's he's Eddie Murphy's stuntman. Good times. Yeah. Uh, I, I have one more thing to talk to complain about comparing these two films. Um, and I think this one is honestly the most important thing. Uh, arguably one of the best songs of the original Mulan is the I'll make a man out of you song, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I mean, every, everyone knows it. <laughs> um, mm. But uh, if we just take that for granted, that song culminates in a, I guess technically the whole thing is a montage, but that montage culminates in her using pure grit and determination to climb a pole in the middle of the rain to get like a ribbon or something off the top of it, right? Are you telling me walking up a hill doesn't (laughs) carry the same emotional weight? I think you know where I'm going with this, Steven. Um, mm. the message of that was literally this task is too hard for people. And what you have is heart and the heart is the thing that lets you push through and your intelligence allows you to come up with this, like, you know, fulcrum pulley system thing to like ratchet your way up this thing and go steal this stuff. And all of the men in the group who are too thick headed and too like, Oh, I'm going to brute force this with my manliness can't do the task and she bests the task by using her mind and her emotional strength and her pure determination and this film turns it into i don't know what 
Like, the, and also, in the original thing, didn't they have sticks with the buckets on it? And it was just supposed to add yeah. weight overall. But this is like, no, you have to stiff arm this this bucket, which is like, what what is what is your like? They they turned it into a literal strength thing, and I don't I don't I don't like. I'm fine with Mulan being strong, but if you can't stiff arm a bucket for an entire walk, you're not going to be able to do it three weeks later. It takes a little bit longer than that for you to build up like mm. the muscle and like the well, endurance but she's to be able to do her it. Chi. That 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 is the difference. Oh, she's she still hiding it, her so chi. She at doesn't this. even have to try anymore. <laughs> her chi is still being hidden at this point. Remember, she hasn't unlocked her chi. She's she's pushed it down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just I couldn't I couldn't believe like when she finally makes it to the top of that and just like looks around and everybody's like, oh my god, he is so great. I was just like, no, 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 nothing about this scene was great or good or anything. Um, and it just it it really p- pissed me off. And also, that whole thing is they train, they build up this camaraderie, they think they're amazing. And they have the shit kicked out of them emotionally when they arrive at that city that's been ransacked by the the horde. And like in this film, they just go to a place where there's been a battle and they're like, whoa, crazy battle, right? Like the the part of part of the thing is like they're literally cheerfully walking along the mountainside singing a song about like having a girl worth fighting for. And the song is interrupted by the reveal of the city that's been ransacked. And mm-hmm. that is like a, oh, great song. This song's fun and cheery and we're all having a good time. And oh, shit, shit just got real. And this one, it's like, hey, guys, time to go to where the war is happening. Whoa, this war is pretty big, right, guys? And I just think that like, it just, <laughs> nothing about this film, it tries to take imagery from the original film, but it doesn't get the emotional weight of those moments. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I will say some things that I didn't hate about this movie, just to, to end on a nice note. Um, a, even though I think losing the songs, I still don't know why they did it. Um, I thought it would be excruciating without the music, and I didn't miss it all that much. I feel like the tone they're trying to strike here, the songs wouldn't have really worked. So I, I thought I was going to be pissed off about the music, but I wasn't. Um what else was I going to say? Um, <laughs> I like the horseback riders, the like Mongolian and Kazakh stunt horseback riders. It was kind of cool when they're like standing on the horses and doing their little flips and everything for arrows. Like no one would actually do that to shoot at people, but still I, th- I uh, thought that looked kind of cool. You haven't heard of a little, little man named Robin Hood? <laughs> mm, nope. Can't put my finger on him. Uh, probably because this is thousands of years before Robin Hood. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, I people assume. do it. <laughs> um, and I also, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, like, probably even though this was directed by a white person and written by white people and very clearly has all sorts of problems of its own in the representation department, it is probably like a nice step forward that at least a big shitty Disney movie is being made with predominantly Chinese actors rather than white people doing Chinese voices. So like <laughs> at least they're getting a little bit better over time. Apparently there was the a, a Eddie Murphy guy wasn't available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but there, there was a tweet that I liked from Simu Liu, who is in the new Marvel uh, movie, Shang-Chi. Um, and he said, 
BRB, though, I got to think about my honor for the fourth time this hour. It's very important to me, as you can tell from the movies your people have written about my people. <laughs> and I thought that was a pretty scathing takedown of some of the reasons this movie, like, does not, it does lean very hard on the honor and tradition and that is all that matters. And I, w I would rather die than dishonor my family and all, all the stuff that, again, like, why did they have a white person direct this movie? I just don't get it. It seems like they went so far in the direction of we're going to make the authentic Mulan. Like, they could have at least not fumbled that part. But it feels like this is Disney in a nutshell, as they they have an idea that maybe on the surface is a good one. And then they get halfway there, and then they pull back. They pulled the Disney thing where they're like, no, 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 but we're not actually going to do that, right? Like, we're going to do big violence, but we're not going to let you see any of it. Or we're going to do a movie centering Asian characters, but we're not going to actually put anyone Asian in charge of anything. <laughs> um, and it, it's just weird. I feel like Disney half-asses everything. And I'm glad so far that every other property they own hasn't been forced to do that. Though, honestly, Star Wars was kind of a lot like this. I, I feel like... Uh, the last Skywalker had similar problems where they wanted to appease everyone and they wound up appeasing nobody because they were kind of spineless. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's how I feel, but I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, as, as, as people might recognize, I incredibly hated this film, but I will say <laughs> two things I did like, I did like the witch fighting with like her sleeves that was cool. Mm -hmm. That reminded me of much better type of films, but it's like, it's so yeah. small part of this film um, that it's not co really consequential. And then um, we get to see the emperor fight and he does a similar type of thing where he takes like a, I, I want to call it a scroll because it's a really, really long parchment -y type thing, but it's like a banner or something that's any like splits it in half and sort of also does the, the sleeve move. Yeah. And I was like, where has this been for the last two hours? Because this is fucking rad. Yeah, I know. Um, and also, like, on a related note, there are lots of films that uh, I watch where there is an older person who has to fight a younger person. And it always kind of makes me go like, I mean, come on. Like, uh, when... <laughs> When Brian Cranston has to fight Colin Farrell at the end of, <laughs> of uh, the the remake of the Mars movie, um, Total right. Recall, <laughs> um, I was like, "There's no way Brian Cranston is going to take <laughs> on Colin Farrell. Like, this it's just not going to happen." Um, so there's a scene in this film where the Emperor is like, "I'm going," and I'm like, "What the fuck are you going to do?" And as soon as he fought, I was like, "Of course you're an amazing fighter." <laughs> <laughs> and I, was, and I was so stoked when he started doing shit and it was some of the best choreography that's been in the film and the most uh, inventive sort of things that happen and then it's just over in 30 seconds and you're like man yeah it, it must have been in his contract like you can't you can fuck with all the other scenes but you can't <laughs> fuck with mine in the editing room like let people see the cool stuff i'm doing <laughs> All practical. There was there was no CG in that in that scene. I mean, just what he can do with a banner on a wall is just amazing. I I, I will say the I like the bad guy is kind of forgettable in all the Mulan movies, so I don't really remember his name. But when I was a kid, I I was I loved Mulan when I was younger. Like whenever it came out, I was so into it. It was probably my favorite animated Disney movie because it had like 
real fighting and stuff and i was like it was like action figures on screen like it got me really like i was really into it yeah. and there's this scene that i remember so well which is mulan fighting the bad guy the the hun um on a rooftop in the imperial city or whatever it's called if they even gave it a name in that movie um and he has this sword it's this like dagger that's like etched in a certain way and she doesn't have anything to fight with and she uses a fan to like flip the sword oh yeah so she's holding it and it was the coolest fucking thing like i kept my action figures in my brain were doing that for like months after that where i was like yeah you're gonna like flip it around and it's gonna be awesome and this movie didn't do that like i really wanted at least that to happen and it didn't happen yeah and then yeah the the best part is like the fan is like a total fuck you to this like manly man hun guy because the fan is supposed to be like a female implement right so then she's like doubly getting him over by taking his sword and taking his manhood so it's, <laughs> so yeah. it's great <laughs> yeah exactly it, it, it's great and now you also know how old i was and still playing with action figures which fine i'm not ashamed to say it i'm not ashamed to say it. you have to do something while you're taking a bath around <laughs> at home you know the internet wasn't as good back then you couldn't play neopets all day <laughs> Wait, you don't play Neopets all the day now? Uh, no, I have a I have a time limit. Joanna makes me <laughs> clock in and out. But somebody's got to clean its poop, Steven. I know. I know. See, I would try to drop a Neopets reference, but I have blocked my brain of all of the names of everything in Neopets, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> Did you um, know that was like a Scientologist propaganda thing? What? I thought it was just yeah, an yeah. American knockoff of Tamagotchi. No, so Neopets was basically funded by Scientologists and like their principles of Scientology were like somewhat hidden in the organization and in the it's this weird thing that I learned like many, many, many years after playing Neopets. Is that before or after you got your Thetan count? Hmm. <laughs> after. <laughs> um I know I've said a lot of things that are like borderline spoilery, um, but there are two things that I really, really want to say that are spoilery, but we don't need to have an actual spoiler segment. Um, so should I just give like an actual warning and then say them really quickly? Sure. It's Mulan. What are you going to spoil? Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to say something spoilery. So if you haven't seen the film, chill out for a second. Just jump forward like two minutes. Um, we'll see. I, I'll try to get this out. Um, starting two minutes now. Um, <clears throat> so basically... The first time, actually, I think it was Trailer 3 came out. And uh, there's that line in the film where, like, the bad guy is like, it's like, oh, they have a girl leading their army? And then the girl goes, a warrior. The witch says that. And I was like, oh, okay, so they're going to team up because she's mad that he, he doesn't give her credit. And that I was pretty much right from the initial trailer guessing how the film was going to end with the witch changing sides, essentially. They, they made it so she just sacrificed herself. Seemed silly because she could have, first of all, birds can't fly faster than arrows that I know of, at least not from a stopped position. But secondly, uh, I feel like she could have flown, turned into a woman and taken the arrow and it would have been less deadly than as a bird taking the full size arrow. So that was kind of stupid. The last thing I want to say, which was like the, 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 the end of the film, it's like the last thing you're going to see of the film. And it was the dumbest thing in the world because it's clearly meant just for a reveal to the audience, but doesn't make sense. 
So, Stephen, if you were making anything and you were going to have three items stacked on top of each other and you wanted to communicate to somebody something and you thought, hey, what if I made a fourth item? How would you redesign it? Would you put the fourth thing all the way on the other side where you're not going to see it? Or would you just move everything up and put the fourth thing at the bottom of the row? (laughs) Because the idea that they put devotion to family on the other side of the sword is the stupidest thing in the world. And the fact that everyone there can read what the symbol says, but she has to read it for the audience because the audience doesn't know how to read it. (laughs) Like... Everything about also, that. Also, don't I, I feel like loyalty already kind of covered that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I would say no, I wouldn't do that. But there are definitely designers of Android phones who think it is a great idea <laughs> to just put one thing on the <laughs> on the back of it. All right, that's two minutes. We're done. No spoilers now. <laughs> that's my last thought, Stephen. Cool. That was like the literal last nail in the coffin. Like when that happened, I was like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me." I, I liked seeing Sima, the dad from The Farewell. I, I had to, it took me a while to put my finger on, on who that was. And I was like, ah, you're the dad. <laughs> All your daughters disappoint you. <laughs> nice. <sighs> See, I'm done being worked up over this movie. Cool. Let's, let's do verdicts. <laughs> I can't believe how much time we filled <laughs> talking about this movie, considering... I didn't think there was going to be anything to say. <laughs> Steven, I paid 30 bucks to, say it, <laughs> to, <laughs> to see this goddamn movie. I'm definitely going to talk for longer than 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> my, my Wait till s- people learn how much we paid to see TIFF movies that we might not even be able to watch. <laughs> Steven. We're going to be in Canada. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely paid in Canadian money. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. My, my sister texted me like she had just started Mulan and she's like, uh, I need to know what you think of this movie. I just started watching it. And I just text her back a poop emoji. <laughs> I got to say early on, it set the tone too. like when she's chasing the chicken, I turned to Joanne and I was like, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be a good movie. <laughs> I can just tell already. I, oh, we didn't even talk about the Phoenix yet. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Thanks for replacing Mushu with a photorealistic phoenix that's just like up in the distance occasionally. And I don't know if other people can see it or not. I can't tell. <laughs> it's so on the nose, too. Like Somebody will be like, oh, we thought we were out, but we're going to come back. <laughs> the phoenix appears. <laughs> I just... Yeah. Uh, fucking Phoenix. Anyway, so verdicts, verdicts for this film, Stephen. If you're going to even say must see, recommend with the caveat, wait for be- rental, pass with the caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? I've been enjoying trashing this, but I'm still holding the line on pass with the caveat only because this movie did not actually anger me. I was completely fine to sit there and watch it and be like, oh, hey, Disney is trying trying martial arts that's new compared to what disney normally tries to do and i feel like my memory of like the live action beauty and the beast for instance is way worse than this my memory of the live action lion king is much much worse than this um so grading on that scale it's okay whatever it isn't good you don't need to watch it you don't need to care about it if kids watch it and like it cool it's probably cooler for them to like this than a lot of other shit that they like but the rest of you can save your thirty dollars 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this a must avoid. I thought it was awful. And if it wasn't 100 degrees and I didn't pay $30, maybe I would have been a little bit more <laughs> kind to it. Um, but I, I was constantly, as I watched this film, just angry, upset, and a little sad. Um, this weekend, though, I did, I did uh, binge watch about almost two complete seasons of The Legend of Korra, which is now available on, mm-hmm. um, on, on Netflix. So if you want to watch a show... It's also about a woman who could move on. Ha- yeah, has a lot of power and has to constantly deal with whether or not they can live up to what other people expect of her and uh, deals with, you know, things about family and relationships and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, I would recommend The Legend of Korra uh, because it is awesome and it is also available. And if you have a Netflix account, it is free. So nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is going to do it for a review of... Disney's live-action remake of Mulan. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? I'm just going to be on the Silk Road um, dressed in kind of Arabic garb for some reason. <laughs> Don't, haven't figured out why yet. Uh, just like a holdover from Aladdin that they wanted to reuse. Um, no, you can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. I forgot that was our introduction to the witch. Oh... Yeah, it's like they filmed that as the intro to Aladdin, like the singing person or whatever. And they just like, oh, we have extra footage. We're just going to put this in Mulan instead. Do you think that was the post credit sequence for Aladdin? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if United cut the real post credit sequence or not. Also, the thing we didn't get to is the witch could have ended this movie at the very, very beginning. There There are 10 times when the witch is a foot from the emperor disguised as somebody right. and could instantly off him and then the whole yeah, movie's done. for some reason done. she doesn't want to. I don't, I don't know why she doesn't want to just kill the emperor. I don't know what she wants to do. <sighs> I don't know either. But anyways, people can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Mulan, but probably ain't going to be any singing in it. I guess we could just play the... Christina Aguilera. Christina Aguilera song. Um... But, uh, yeah, that is our review of, <laughs> of Mulan. And right now we're thinking of ending things. And by things, we mean this episode. So we can go bring you a review of I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Nailed it. <laughs>